Well, welcome back to James. If you're like me, you've uh, really enjoyed James. Um, I'm a in-your-face kind of guy. I'm a kind of straight shooter. I offend more people than I tata. You follow me? So James is really, he just feeds my spirit. I mean, he just comes out. He don't sugarcoat the, the first sentence. He says, I'm a servant of God. Now let's get some junk straight. You know, and that's kind of how James has been the whole series. And, and I've been studying it and preparing it. And it's just like, man, I just, honestly, this is for me. I mean, I don't care if you got anything. I, I just got a lot from James so far. And I, I'm actually kind of sad it's ending. But we're in week eight and we're starting to wrap up our series. Next week will be our last message in James. And I promise you, you won't want to miss next week's message. But you will want to enjoy this one while you're here. And so it's been a, a good series this summer. How many of you would just, just be honest with me. It's okay if only two of you raise your hand, but how many of you would say you just enjoyed taking a whole book this summer? I mean, wasn't it good? I mean, we wasn't all over the map. We wasn't running here, there. If you missed a week to go on vacation, you came back, you could just kind of get right back in. Isn't that good? I just, I thought it was a blessing. And so it's just been great to do James. James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. You've heard me say that. If you don't know, James was the, the little half-brother of Jesus. Some people say, I remember the first week, some, somebody went home and told their mama, we're studying James, Jesus' little brother. And she got rebuked by him. Jesus didn't have no brothers. Well, Jesus did have brothers. He was, it was half-brothers. Amen? And James was one of his brothers, and he was a pastor. And so James is, the book of James is written to basically his church. So it would be like, like I was James, just take the eye off. I would be James. Y'all caught that? That's pretty quick, right? Well, that, that just happened. <laughs> I'm smarter than I look. I'm smarter than you think. <laughs> but it would be like James would be standing here today preaching to his congregation. You follow me? And it's something that he wants the church to do. It's something that he wants the church to get. It's a different perspective that he wants you to have today. You follow me? Because there's not many things that change in life except your perspective. If I, we're all going to face problems, and you're going to continue to face problems. And if somebody told you when you gave your life to Jesus, you would have no more problems, they, they lied to you. It's actually the opposite. It's, stuff gets stirred up when you give your life to Jesus, right? You wasn't a threat before, but now you are. And so if, if somebody's ever told you that and you think that you're going to have a problem-free life, I just want you to know that's not true. You're going to have problems. The tire's going to go flat. The air conditioner's going to break down. The freezer's going to quit in all of our lives, right? But the only difference maker in that is your perspective and how you see it, Right? You can see it as a terrible, horrible thing, and you can let it crash your whole week, and you can mess everybody up on Facebook with your whining and complaining for a week about your air conditioner. But if instead you'll get on the solution side of things and see it as an opportunity, or that God wants to do something or show you something, and you change your perspective, you then may turn around and encourage everybody on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Just a little poke all it is so let's jump in this morning this morning we're talking about the life god rewards how many of you want to know what that life is the life that god rewards i mean how many of you like to just how many of you just really concern yourself about doing the right thing you just really i mean some some people just don't care <laughs> tell me i did something wrong okay i'll fix it but some people really lie awake at night worrying if they're doing the right thing right how many of you are like that? Just, I just want to know. Okay. Phew, you made me feel better. But this morning we're talking about the life that God rewards. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer for that right now. But you can't leave. God rewards the giving life. He rewards a giving life. A life that gives. Amen? I heard a story the other day. This, this, uh, this guy was in his 40s. He was a business owner. And, and I guess when you hit your 40s, things start to kind of click finally. You know, I, I think it has a lot to do with you finally start realizing you're not as smart as you thought you were. You're not as talented as you thought you were, right? I'm getting that revelation right now. It's just very humbling, and I don't like it. But this, this guy hit his 40s, and, man, he just caught like his second wind. And so he goes into business, and, I mean, he's working hard, diligent, being faithful to tithe and give and, and, man, he works for several years, and he becomes very successful, 
very prosperous, very wealthy. And then he hits his 50s and his mid-50s and he starts getting tight. How many of you know the closer you get to the end, the little bit tighter you might want to get to make sure you got enough to make it to the end? Right? So he starts tightening up and he gets very frugal. And so he starts, his nest egg just keeps building. This guy's wealthy. And he's got a family and all this. And he hits his 60s, mid-60s, late 60s, and he's still working hard. And, and then all of a sudden he starts feeling bad. So he goes to the doctor, and the doctor runs all these different tests on him, and he sits down for the consultation. The doctor says, look, man, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but uh, you've got a life-threatening disease, and I don't know the exact date, but I really don't give you more than a month. And the guy's like, oh, man. You know, because you, you have it in your head what the end's going to look like, right? And so the guy's kind of distraught, and I mean, he's upset, and he goes home, and he tells his wife, and they cry, and and, and then she looks at him, you know, kind of after they sober up a little bit, and she goes, baby, what can I do? And he says, well, there's one thing I want you to do. And he says, I want you to honor my last wish. She goes, man, baby, anything, just whatever you want. He said, I want to be buried with all my money. And she had to swallow for a minute, and she went, all of it? He said, yeah, all of it. He said, I really, really need you to honor my last wish. I want to be buried with all of my money. And she said, well, what about, what about me? What about the kids? What, what about church? What about charity? He's like, please, just honor my last wish. So time goes by, and he passes away, and they're at the funeral, and she's sitting in the front. She's got this little box. And, and the ushers are getting ready to come forward for the last time and close the casket, and she gets up and kind of disrupts the whole service. She goes and she puts the box on his lap and then she turns around and sits down and it's a very emotional time. They close the casket, go to the funeral, to the graveside, do the whole procedure and all that. And afterwards, her friends come up to her and they say, they say, what, what, did, you put in, what did you put in his casket? She said, well, he, he wanted to be buried with all of his money. And they're like, you didn't do that. She's like, yeah, I wrote him a check. And if he can cash it, he can spend it. <laughs> hey, come on. She wrote him a check. You thought that was a real story. I bet she turned around in the next breath and said, y'all want to go shopping? Come on, you know how it is. A woman always wins, right? So James comes straight at us with this with this point of resources, and, his, and he's, he's coming at us, and he's saying, okay, you need to understand what your resources are for. And let me tell you what your resources are. Your resources are your money, okay, your possessions, your talent, your time, right? Anything that you have in your hand, maybe, maybe your relationships, maybe people you know, that's all considered resources. So James is coming at us, and he says, you need to be careful how you handle your resources, And you need to understand that your resources were given to you for kingdom purposes. Not for you to die and be buried with them. Come on, somebody. That's what James is telling the church. So let's look at James chapter 5, starting in verse 1. He says this. And this is kind of hard, but you just got to hang on to it. He says, look here, you rich people. (laughs) I knew you would respond that way. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those of, of the cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Told you he didn't come at you with sugar. Right. I mean, James comes out of straight and he's talking to rich people. And I know for some of you, you just laughed and you went, <laughs> well, that excludes me because I'm broke, busted, they ain't got nothing. 
But hang on a minute. I just want to give you something that brings it back into perspective. When you compare yourself to the world, you're richer than you think. Right? Did you know that three quarters of the world, think about this, think about this. Three quarters of the world lives on $300 or less a year. Now, that should have just made you feel a whole lot better about your financial situation, right? Three quarters of the population of the world lives on $300 or less a year. Not a week, a year. Now, if that don't tell you that God loves you and that don't tell you that you're blessed, and if that don't tell you that God's goodness is for you and that America is a blessed nation, then nothing will. Amen? I mean, we're doing good. It's not as good as we want it to be, but we're doing good. Amen? So, so that kind of puts you back into this message. <laughs> right? Yes, Pastor, it does. We're truly a blessed nation. But I want you to understand what James is saying here. And so you, some of you may even be thinking, you know, well, golly, does that mean that I can't ever be rich? Maybe I need to quit my job. Maybe I need to quit working so hard. Maybe I need to go get a job at somewheres. Less stress, less pay. I mean, I, the Bible says I'm not supposed to be rich, but that's not what James is saying. James is saying you got to be careful when you have riches or you have a lot of resources because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Amen? James says you need to check your attitude about your resources. Right? Because let me tell you something. Here's the principle. When you give to God, God gives in return to you. Okay? Pretty basic principle. When you tithe 10%, what does the Bible say? He opens up the floodgates. That's what he says in Malachi. He says, who's robbed me? And they said, what are you talking about who's robbed you? He said, you've robbed me of tithes and offerings. He says, give it and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour them out on you. You know what stops the floodgates? When you stop giving. Or when you get the wrong attitude about what's coming through your hands. Amen. You see, it starts very small a lot of times, and it starts very honest, and it starts very simple, right? And so it's, it's no big deal. It's not much money coming through your hands, through, through your system, your financial system, right? Not much, but boy, then God increases it, right? And he continues to increase because this is the thing. Anything that God has his hand on grows. He's the giver of life. So anything he touches grows. So, so if you, your finances are in his hands, then it's going to grow. So it's going to get better. So in other words, you're going to start making more money. You're going to start having more stuff. You're going to start getting more things. You're going to start having more relationships. And that is fine. That is perfectly okay. As long as you don't stop the flow. You with me? Because here's, here's the temptation. When it gets bigger, it seems to get brighter. When it gets bigger, you start getting excited. When it gets bigger, you start wanting other people to see it. When it gets bigger, pride wants to come in, right? So God's increasing you for the purpose of his kingdom, okay? It's for his kingdom. And, and if you're not careful, you'll put your eyes on and you'll start saying things like your kids used to say that used to aggravate you. Mine. I mean, my kids are in their teens. I mean, we went on vacation this weekend. It's still mine. Ah, don't touch this, this. It's mine. Right? But that's the temptation. So the two things that stop the flow is, number one, you stop giving. Or number two, you start falling in love with it. Right? And you start getting prideful in it. And can I tell you, that's a temptation known to every one of us. You know, some people get prideful over $300, but other people get prideful over $300,000. There's no difference. It's all still pride, right? So James is saying it's, it's, not, about the, it's not about the wealth. He's, he's not saying you can't be wealthy. He's not saying you can't attain riches. He's not saying that you shouldn't work hard. Because listen to me, today in today's world, I don't care who you are. You show up on time and you do your job faithfully and you ought to be running the joint before too long seriously you know why because there's a lot of bums out there 
that don't know how to show up to work on time, don't know how to be faithful in their job, don't know how to, and every time the boss turns around, they're text messaging somebody, right? I don't care who you are. Disabled, handicapped, it don't matter. You show up faithful and do your job, and the Lord will bless it, and you're going to increase. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just got to keep it in the right perspective. You got to keep it in the right place. You got to remember that God's blessing you for his kingdom. It's to reach other people. And man, you just learn to live off the residue. Come on, somebody. You just learn to live off the residue. I mean, dollar bills make a little fuzz in your pocket. I mean, you just learn how to live off of that fuzz and the fuzz gets big. Look in your dryer. The Bible's very clear that we need to be stewards of our resources. And you know, when, when I say the word steward, sometimes people think, well, to be a steward means I got to keep it all. Mm-mm. Being a steward is learning how to give it. That's part of being a steward. Yeah, you got to be careful not to waste it here and to be, to be wise. And, and he gives you wisdom for finances. But to be a steward means that you got to know where to give it, right? I mean, I, I personally don't give to TV evangelists. You want me to tell you why? Anybody interested? Because I don't know them. I don't know them. It's simple. I don't know you. I ain't giving you nothing unless the Lord says for me to give you something. Right? I know people, man. Anyway, I'm not going there. I felt the soapbox slip up real quick. But James, James wants to talk to the church today about attitudes of a giving life. And so that's what we're going to start talking about right now is attitudes of a giving life. So number one. Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. Steward it wisely. How does God reach people today? How does God reach people? How do people, how does the world, the unrepented world, repent? The Bible says it's through the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance, right? It's the forgiveness of God. It's the goodness that he gave his son to down the cross. And sometimes it's just the downright simple goodness of maybe simply buying somebody a cup of coffee. Right? Or picking up the tab, dear goodness. Right? But, I mean, it's just simple things. And so how does he get that goodness to the people? Through his people. Right? Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. You know, hoarding's a crazy thing. How many of you ever watched the show Hoarders? How many of you can watch the whole episode? Can't take it, man. I'm serious. I just can't. I get sick to the stomach. In fact, it was, we, we don't have uh, um, satellite TV anymore. And, and we were at this uh, place on vacation and they had satellite TV. So I was like, <laughs> you know how us Christians get, <laughs> just being real. And hoarders was on. I'm like, dang, they still playing that show? And I was like, and man, this woman had to climb over a pile of stuff just to get to her bed. And I went, let's put it on fighting or something. (laughs) I can stomach that better. But let me give you a few effects of hoarding. A few of the effects of hoarding are depression, anxiety, separation, isolation. How true is that? Isn't it funny how when we get greedy and we get stingy, we what? We want to isolate from other people. It's kind of like my kids when they get candy. Ethan will eat it all right there. Anna will eat it all right there. Virginia will hoard. That girl's probably got candy from two Christmases ago. I mean, I just, I hate to clean her room because it's just like, you know, find some old molded up candy. I mean, she just, she, I mean, she'll come up with some, some Easter candy, and it's, it's the middle of the summer, and you're like, is it even still good? But she's like that. She hoards. So when she hoards her candy, when we get candy at the house, this is what she does. She'll sneak out the back, and then she goes and she hides it in her room somewhere. She isolates herself to hide her candy. She don't let anybody know, not even daddy. Right? But that's what happens when we start to get greedy and we start to hoard what God's given us. 
we start isolating. How does that look today? That looks like whenever there's something going on at the church or so, God brings a need in front of you and there's an opportunity for you to give, you kind of just squelch back. Right? You just kind of hold what you got and you kind of try to me oh my, pass me on by kind of a thing. You know, don't ask me right now. Right? You know what's funny is God usually sends somebody whenever you're trying to save money for something you want. Come on, man. You want that new rifle, you want that new fishing pole, you want that maybe that new boat, and you're saving up your little pennies and you're being diligent, you're like, oh, woo, getting close. And then here comes the need and you go, ah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Nah, it's the devil. It's the devil. <laughs> right? Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. Number two, don't handle it deceitfully. But distribute it honestly. We're talking about resources, the things that God's put in your hands. Don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. James is dealing with our deceit. He's talking about an employer-employee relationship. Some of you are in charge of other people. And you need to make sure that you're not deceitful with those other people, that you need to be honest and you need to be fair and you need to be right. Amen? You don't need to hold back whenever somebody deserves something good. Amen. I always hated having to go ask for a raise. I mean, you like are like me. I hate to ask for a raise. Right? I, I mean, I'm thinking you watch me close enough to tell me my mistakes. You need to watch me close enough to see when I'm successful, when I'm doing good. And then pay me for it. Right. Handle it. Don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. Number three, don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. Boy, isn't it true that we can live our lives with the spin, spin, spin mentality? Right? I mean, we get money, we spend it. Woo! I mean, it's like money don't stand a chance at your house. Right? I mean, you don't don't get any, it doesn't even get a chance to, to, to make a print. I mean, it's just, or we can live our lives, the life that God rewards with share, share, share. You see the difference in the attitude. Spin, 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 or share, share, share. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says this. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Ooh, that's a good verse. Life is not measured by how much you own. But the world we live in today measures you up by what you got, doesn't it? If you got more, you must mean more. Right? Come on. If you have more, that means you're more important. Let me tell you something for those of you here who don't fall in that category of having more. God's the one who judges. God's the one who ranks people. God's the one who puts you on a step. God's the one that has you in a certain place. God's the one that sees more in you than anybody else does. Amen? It's not what you have that makes the person. It's the person that makes what they have important, right? So, but often we judge, we rank, we approve people on their possessions. And isn't that true? I mean, we give people ranks because of what they have. We judge them. How many of you have been enjoying the 10-day judge challenge? <laughs> By the way, you doing good with that? How many of you wasn't here? You're doing good, Wesley? Good. Wesley was at the beach. I don't know if he passed or failed. I was at the beach. I failed. I'm not even going there. So how are you doing with your 10-day challenge on judging others? <laughs> By the way, it's, 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 di- it's difficult, isn't it? Right? Because we, we, we judge people, don't we? And then we judge ourselves. And then we judge God. Don't we? Listen, we're all guilty of this. You don't have to sit there and look like you're not involved. You are guilty of judging people. Everybody judges. And that's the honest truth. To some degree, everybody judges. And you know what? Everybody's being judged. And sometimes you're the hardest judge you have. Right? It's time to stop judging and just start loving folks. Some of you this morning, I don't know who this is for, but somebody just needs to quit judging themselves, start loving themselves. I don't know who you are. You just need to start loving yourself. Because here's the deal. God loves you. Just like you are. Right where you are today. 
He loves you. Amen? He loves you. And the funny thing is, is that he's the judge. The judge loves you. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. It becomes a problem when our possessions have us. Some of you are, <laughs> some of you are owned by your possessions. You can't go anywhere and do anything because you just got too much stuff. Right? Proverbs 11 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You see, there is a freedom that occurs when we let go of our resources into God's circulation. You see, it's a circulation. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a certain, you ever, I remember being a kid, getting, being in a round pool. And you get all your buddies to all start walking around in the same direction, right? And you create a circulation in the pool, right? And then the fun thing is you turn around and see who can hold themselves. I was always the heaviest, so I always won. I'm well anchored. I'm not big, right? But, so, but you, you create a circulation, right, that goes around and comes around. It goes around and comes around. It goes around and comes around. When you put your resources in God's hands, you put your resources into God's circulation, Okay, now they can't be a part of the game if they're in your pocket. Right, just like the kid that couldn't swim that day because he did something stupid, wasn't a part of the circulation. Right, he couldn't play. Why? Because he was holding on to something. So when you hold on to your resources, they don't get into the circulation, into the flow of what God's doing. So therefore, there's nothing coming back. Right. Because it's intended to come back. The Bible just said in Proverbs that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So if you're here today and you need to be refreshed, then the Bible says that you need to go and refresh somebody. Because you get what you give. Right? You want people to treat you better? Treat others better. You determine how people treat you. You got to get it into God's circulation. Let's look at James chapter 5. Let's go to verse 7. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, and you will or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of us, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. James is telling the church you've got to have the right attitude to have a giving life. But then there needs to be some action to go along with that. You see, when you change your attitude, it should change your action. Amen. How, how many of you know when your kids really get it, it starts changing in their actions, right? I mean, when they really start to understand, you start changing in their actions. That's, that's when your son may start taking the garbage out without you having to tell him, right? You go, dear God, you are working in my family. Or one of them accidentally cleans their room. You're like, praise Jesus, revival is in the house. Because their action changed, right? But their action changes when their attitude changes. And all we are is grown-up teenagers, amen? Come on, we're the same way. But James is telling them there needs to be an action change. Something needs to change in you. Watch this. Actions of a giving life, number one, be patient. <laughs> I want to challenge you to pray for patience this week. 
How many of you join me in that challenge? <laughs> you lying. You lying up in church. Be, be patient. In light of, of all that God has given us, we need to be patient. We need to be patient with others, patient with ourselves. And watch this. You need to be patient with God's process, God's timing. Well, that's a good one. You've got to learn to be patient with God's timing because his clock is not set to your clock. It runs at a different speed, a speed that none of us can understand. I call it the just-in-time speed, right? I mean, that's how he adjusts his clock, but we've got to be patient with his process, patient that he has a plan. You've got you to just rest assured that God has a plan. Last week, I made a statement that, that God's never taken surprise by anything. There was never a moment in your life where God went, <gasps> didn't see that one coming. Man, man, Bo, I'm sorry, man. I just, sorry, buddy. I, I turned for my one second and, and this. God never did that to any of us, right? Because he's never taken surprise by anything. That means that God's already got a solution before we even realize we got a problem. Right? So we need to learn to get on the solution side of things and get off the problem side of things and see things get better. Amen. So we got to be, that requires patience. Somebody, you think Pastor Josh and Lindsay are learning patience right now? You think Pastor Bubba's learning patience right now? It's patience. With patience comes clarity, but clarity never comes when we're in a rush. Right? Right? We think it's clear. Go to the Ford dealership. Get possessed. And you think you're making the deal of a lifetime till you get home. After you've signed the dotted line, you went, oh, what did I do? It seemed so clear. God wanted me to drive this. Number two, you need to persevere. You need to persevere. If we're going to have a good attitude, have the right perspective and accumu- on accumulations and giving, we're going to have to learn how to persevere. In other words, you've got to learn how to just keep going. When times get tough, you've got to keep going. When things get hard, you've got to keep going. I'm teaching my kids that right now, that, that sometimes, in the, most of the time in life, things get rough. Things get hard. You don't quit. You've got to keep going, right? And we'll, we'll, he'll go cut the grass and say, the weed eater won't start. And we done had the weed eater lesson a hundred times. And I'm on the mower. And I usually holler because the engine's loud. It's the only reason I holler is because the engine's loud. This comes from being in construction. I mean, you don't holler when the engine's off. You holler when the engine's on. Right? So I holler. You don't know what to do! So I'm having to persevere with his perseverance. Come on, somebody. Right? But you got to learn as, as Christians, as believers, that things aren't always going to be like butter, right? Things are going to get tough. Things are going to get hard. We got to learn to persevere. Amen? Persevere. You got to press through. You got to stay the course. You got to stay committed. You know what's wrong with this world today is they don't know how to stay committed to anything. You know, that's the same problem with the church. You know how I know that? Because the divorce rate in the church is the same as the divorce rate in, outside the church. People don't know how to stay committed anymore, how to work through issues, how to work through hard things. Amen? Sat down with my kids the other night, and we just had a come to Jesus meeting. I mean, you just let me tell you something. As a parent, you just got to do that sometimes. You just got to get a family gathering. Look, it's, it's Jesus time. Let's have a little talk. But before you do that, you got to get all this under control, right? And so I sat them down, and I said, look, I want you to understand that you can come to me with any problem. You can come to me with anything that's bothering you. You can come to me with, if I do something that offends you, if I do something that upsets you, I want you to know that you can come talk to me. I want, I want us as a family to work this out, right? Because you've got to learn how to persevere. And if I don't teach them how to persevere in a house, how can I get mad at somebody else outside the house who didn't teach them how to persevere, right? I'm responsible for that. So it's got to start in my house, right? 
So I've got to keep a door open for my three kids who all have three different DNA, three different personalities, chemistries, emotions, and anybody ever said parenting was easy? They lied, but we got to learn how to persevere. We got to learn how to work things out. Amen. As believers, we got to learn how to work things out between one another. The thing I love about my pastor, one of the many things, is that when there's a problem, he don't go to sleep. He going to work that out now. Uh, He stopped the world to go work out a problem. You're like, no, not right now. Oh, yeah, right now. (laughs) But I'm learning that there's importance to that because you got to persevere. You can't let it sit around. Number three, be consistent. You getting something yet? Be consistent. James is telling the church you got to be consistent. You know, I love the consistency of this church, of our Savior's church. You know, what the, you know how we're consistent? We're consistent to be here for people that are hurting. We're consistent to be here for you in the good times and the bad times. Some of you in this room, I've cried with you, and some of you, I've laughed with you and at you. More at you than with you. <laughs> right? But, but we've, we've been here. My, our pastors on staff are here with you. And, and some of you are taking that and you're with each other, right? There's consistency. We're consistent to start new works, right? I mean, look at, look at what's happening in Crowley, y'all. That's a big deal. And let me tell you something. That's like the launching of what else is coming. Crowley's going to be the thing. It's going to be kind of like the break. And then all of a sudden, we're going to start realizing, hey, we can do this quicker, Right? goes back to that circulation thing. But the consistency of our church is to give. You know, when guest speakers come, we bless them. They get big time gifts in a small church. We're consistent. And that's been faithful. I've been around for 12, 13 years now. Right, baby? Put you on the spot for that. So we need to be consistent about our giving, consistent about our serving, consistent about care. And we need to be consistent about this next action called compassion. Number four, we need to show compassion. We need to be consistent in everything that God's given us, consistent to do, to be a steward, consistent in all those things. And then we got to be consistent to show compassion. Right? Because what does this world need more than anything else? They need a little compassion. Watched a video the other day of a guy was filming his buddy, and his buddy dressed up kind of rough, like a rough teenager. And he went into this restaurant, and he was asking people for food. And people were just brushing him off. Come on, man, get out of here, get out of here. And so then the one guy is filming, and, and his buddy who had dressed him up goes and buys a pizza and brings it to this homeless guy. And he comes up to this homeless guy and says, hey, man, I just... God bless you, man. I just look like you might be a little hungry. So, and the guy's just, he's sitting on some steps and he just looks up. Thank you, brother. And so he leaves the pizza with him. And then here comes this little scruffed up looking teenager. He comes around, he's got a cigarette in his hand. And he sits on side the bum and uh, the homeless man. And, and the homeless man's basket is right there. And he'd eat him a couple pieces of pizza and he set the pizza right there. And so the teenager just sitting next to him, what's up, man? What's up? Nothing, brother. Nothing. This is a, uh, Man, you, you think I get a piece of that pizza? Said, oh, man, sure. Yeah, here. And he gave. <laughs> he gave. Freely he was given. Freely he gave. Right? We got to show compassion to people. That's why it's important not to judge because when we judge, it blocks our compassion. Compassion is when we put our stuff in circulation for Jesus with no strings attached. Right? No strings attached. When's the last time you gave something with no strings attached? Let me tell you something. There's peace when you do that. There's peace when you just you just give and you go, man, bless you, man. And you just put it in circulation. You know, it's coming right back around. Right? Show compassion. Mother Teresa said this. She said that I alone can't change the world, but I can cast the stone across the waters to create many ripples. Mother Teresa did that, didn't she? She just threw a stone out 
and it created many ripples. In other words, she just did something. Whatever she had in her hands to do, she did it, and it created ripples that went on and on and on. You know what happens when ripples go? They run into other ripples, right? And then they start to create a wave. You know what James is telling us today is that we need to throw a rock of compassion into the ocean of humanity and cause some ripples. You know what needs to happen in your neighborhood is you need to just start some ripples. And I don't care which one you live in. Start some ripples. Step out and do something for a neighbor. Maybe at work. You want to change the environment at work? Cast a stone of compassion. Right? Start something. Start somewheres. That's what James is calling us to do. He's saying to us this morning, don't hoard. Be a good steward. He's saying, don't handle deceitfully distributed honestly. He's saying, don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. He's calling us to be generous with what God's given us. Because, you know, the Bible says that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously, right? So that once again comes back to us, we determine how much we reap by how much we sow. You determine what you reap by what you sow. Amen? You determine that. And you know, you know how you do that? Just let me, let me give you this real quick. You know how you do that? You just simply, you, you take what you got in your hands and you go, okay, God, I, I want to put this in your circulation. Help me. Help me. Give me an opportunity to show some compassion. And I 100% guarantee, I will give you a written guarantee that God will show up with an opportunity for you to show somebody compassion. For an opportunity for you to use a resource that you have. Amen? He will. That's all you got to do. It's as simple as that. You just take what you have and you put it in front of God. And you say, Lord, I give it to you. Help me to use it. Help me to show me where to give it, Lord. And let me tell you something. That's when the adventure of Christianity starts. Come on, that's where it gets exciting. If your Christianity is just involved in coming to church and then not coming to church, you're living a boring life because I'm not that exciting. Amen? Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> Y'all were very good with that one. I mean, I just, <laughs> my Jamie level just went up. But, but seriously, that's where the adventure starts. Because here's the thing is you never know what's on the other side of your gift of compassion. You never know. I want to share a story with you as I close about a church in Baton Rouge. It's called The Healing Place. And they were known, uh, uh, Pastor Dino Rizzo was pastor there, and he wrote a book called Servolution, and they were big into serving the community. I mean, they they did more more giveaways, and they did like some of the first free uh, garage sales and all that kind of stuff in the city of Baton Rouge. And in the early days, he shares a story about they they used to do these... uh, these uh, little Coke deals. Well, they, not a Coke deal, but that did come out right. Some of you went, no wonder that church built that new building. <laughs> no! Coca-Cola. Same thing, no. But they used, to, they used to go stand at like a major intersection and they would have ice chest of Coke and people would stop at the red light and they would just say, would you like a free Coke? And by the way, we just want you to know God loves you. And that's all they did. So that's all day long they would just pass out cold cokes. And so he said it was at the end of one of their, their events, and, and he's, he's sitting there, and he's actually standing in the median dumping out an ice chest, and the lady pulls up. She, she, she's from Mississippi, and she's a little bit rushed. She goes, hey, you the pastor around here? He said, yes, ma'am, I'm the pastor. I've been doing outreach for 20 years. My outreach is I put a bullhorn. I get a bullhorn. I jump in the back of the truck, and I chase them teenagers all over town. Tell them they need to repent. And he was like, well, how's that working for you? He said, she said, but, you know, nobody ever gave me nothing free. She said, I'm going to go home and try that. He said, well, good. Go home and try that. So the next weekend, she gets her little team together, and they stand in an intersection, and they pass out Coca-Colas and tell people that God loves you. 
And she called Pastor Dino later and shared this story with him that I'm trying to tell you. But they were passing out Cokes, and this lady and her daughter were in the car, just pull up and get a free Coke. And they later on come back around and were like, never had anybody give me something for free. No strings attached. You know, I, I don't know what to do with that. And anyway, in that moment, the lady leads her to Christ, her and her daughter. They both give their lives to Jesus right there. That was a Friday. Sunday comes. They come to church Sunday. And the husband comes with them, who's never, ever been in the church. And he gives his life to Jesus that day. And he tells the pastor after church, he says, you know, I would have never darkened the door of a church until I seen what happened to my wife and my daughter. The following Wednesday, the daddy passes away. His wife stands up at his funeral, and he's, she's got Coke cans on the top of the casket. And she said, you might think this is weird, but God used a Coke can to save my husband. He's now in eternity with Jesus because somebody just showed him a little bit of compassion. Isn't that awesome? True story. All we got to do is throw a rock of compassion into the ocean of humanity and create some ripples. And you never know what's on the other side. You never know. You never know what's on the other side. James has been telling us, don't judge people. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Don't get angry. Don't watch it. Why is he telling us that? Because we're here to do something. Right? We're here to do what God wants us to do. And when we got all that other junk here with us, we can't see it. We can't do it because we got too much stuff. You can't give somebody a free Coke when you're judging them. Right? You might throw a Coke at them, but you ain't going to give it to them. But Pastor, that's for free. I hear you. Stand up with me this morning. I just want to pray. I want to encourage you to honestly just practice what we've been learning. I can see James looking at the church and saying, you know what? If we'll just change our perspective, we'll just see people different. We'll just see our situation different. If we'll just see God different, if we'll just maybe tweak our our perception, our, our perspective a little bit, Man, we can do so much. We can do so much. You can do so much more than you think you can do. You can live an abundant life that God's called you to live. And that abundance is found. Let me tell you where you find abundance. is when you give. It's when you give and then you receive a reward from God for giving. You know what happens after you do that for a while? You go, man, God, you can keep the reward. I just like the feeling. Right? I just like to see something happen in somebody's life. And so James is almost begging the church in a very hard way. He's saying, man, put that junk to the side and love somebody. Just love somebody. Maybe he's telling you this morning, you just need to forgive somebody. Maybe you're here and you, maybe it's your spouse and you're just, you've been fighting like a cat and a dog all weekend. And you just, you know what? You just need to forgive them. You need to humble yourself and say, I'm sorry. Your actions need to change. You know, people should know without you having to tell them that you've met a God. They should know. You shouldn't have to say you're a Christian. People should know you're a Christian. They should know, man, he ran into somebody. Right? That's what he's calling us to. And you know what? I believe that's God's heart for us today. So I want to challenge you this week to go throw some rocks. (laughs) Let me give the disclaimer. (laughs) Not literally. (laughs) Spiritually. I saw some of you in. I'll take that challenge. But I want you to know this much. God loved you enough to show you compassion. He just wants you to turn around and do the same thing to others. Amen. Just spread the love, man. 
Spread God's love. It's like the homeless man that was freely given the pizza and freely gave. Don't be attached to your stuff. Don't be attached to your resources. Let God use them. Amen? Open your hands like this this morning. And listen, if you're here and there's something you need to just, you just need to let go of. Just, you just need to release it. I just want you to release that right now. Just say whatever it is. Just say it. If it's anger, anger. If it's hatred, hatred. Bitterness, jealousy, rage, judgment, hurt, pain, unforgiveness. Just say, Lord, I need help this morning. Lord, I need to let this go because it's getting in the way, Father. Just let that go right now. I just encourage you. Just say what it is. Just speak it out. Just right there where you are. Just say it. And say, Lord, I give you this. And now, Lord, I want to take on some compassion. Lord, I want to see things the way you see them. Lord, I want to reach this world that you're madly in love with. Lord, I want to reach the hurting and the lost and the broken and the beaten. And the disadvantaged people, Lord, the people that have just been abused, people that have been taken advantage of their whole life, Lord. Father, I want to be compassionate. I want to cast a stone of compassion into the ocean of humanity, Lord. That may be my neighborhood. It may even be in my very own house, Lord. Some of you may be praying this morning, Lord, help me to be compassionate to my teenagers. Help me to be compassionate to my husband or my wife. Lord, wherever we're at today, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. We need your help. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to show up. I thank you, Lord, that when we pray a prayer like this, that, Father, we let go of whatever's in the way, whatever's hindering us, and we take up your compassion and we take up your mission. Lord, you are faithful to put an opportunity in front of us. Lord, help us to see it and help us to jump on it, Lord wholeheartedly, Father. Hoping that we can hear a report someday of what happened on the other side. Change our perspective, Lord. Help us to see clearly. We love you, Lord.